Well, good morning, everybody. We're so glad you decided to spend uh, part of your morning with us, uh, worshiping God together. And uh, my name's Alex Barrett. I'm the lead pastor here. And I'm wrapping up a series that we started, believe it or not, eight weeks ago uh, called From True to Real. And we've been digging through the book of First John uh, in the New Testament. And uh, this concept of, of true to real is how do we take the truth of Scripture and make it real by, by actually living it out? And that's what Scripture is intended to do, something that is, is tested. You, you live it out in experience. And so if you've missed any of this series, I just want to catch you up so you can kind of see the theme of the book of 1 John, what we've been talking about, and then uh, we'll dig into uh, this morning. Uh, we started eight weeks ago talking about the invitation that we have been given, all of us on the face of the earth, the invitation to know God through Christ. And through Christ and his sacrifice, him dying on the cross for our sins, we, we have an invitation to actually know God fully. And he'll lead us and he'll guide us. And we'll build a little bit on that today. Uh, the second week, we talked about sin and how sin is something that we all deal with. But actually, with God's help, we can uh, move beyond it and experience uh, the victory that we have in Christ. Uh, the third week, we talked about what it means to be a Christian, defining Christianity. It's more than just a, a word that we use in culture. Uh, but John actually defines, this is how you know that you are a follower of Christ. And then we talked about heaven and eternity how that impacts here and now. We talked about love. Uh, we talked about spiritual warfare, the devil in the details, uh, a couple weeks ago, and how, again, through Christ, we have victory and we have the strategies to fight against the evil one. And then last week, if you were here, you got to hear from Pastor Matt Sturdivant of Hope Church in Fort Worth, Texas, that really gave us just a picture of his life and the lessons that he's learned as he's put God's word into practice and it's moved from being a true to real. And so today, we're going to close out the book of 1 John, looking at chapter 5. We've gone through really the first four. And the t title of today is, is So That You May Know. And the word know is actually a, a constant word that appears in the book of 1 John. A John is an eyewitness account of Jesus. He was one of his disciples, a beloved disciple. He also wrote the gospel of John. He wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and uh, the book of Revelation, which is the last book in the scriptures. So John actually has this, this first-hand account of knowing Christ. He has a first-hand account of what it means to actually be a Christian, to walk with God. And he writes, First John specifically, so the certainties that he has, we can have. And that's why it appears 39 times in that book alone. It's not that big of a book, but that, that word no appears. And in chapter 5, I think it's written at least seven times. And so this idea of, of knowing what is certain is so important for us. But I was thinking in my own life how many things that I face that kind of plagues my mind where it's uncertain and I'm not sure of what to do. And so I thought of this question, and it says, what are you uncertain about? What are the things that keep coming to your mind? And I don't know about you, but sometimes uncertain things come to my mind, and maybe I'll wake up in the middle of the night, and then you look at the clock, and you're like, please may it be two. Please may it be five and not two. Are we having mic issues? Do we have another one I can use if I need it? Just let me know, Okay. Um, and sometimes you look and it's, it's two and you're thinking, oh gosh, and your just mind starts going and it's hard to go back to sleep. Or sometimes it's hard to fall asleep because of all the things that are plaguing your mind and you're, you're thinking about. So uncertainty can come up in all sorts of places. Uh, our relationships with people, maybe there's a strain or there's just a conflict and we're not sure how it's going to move forward or work out. And so it concerns us and we don't know what to do. Uh, maybe you look at your finances and it's just the idea, at the end of the month, you look at the the numbers in your account, and you wonder, like, is that enough? Is that going to get me through? Or maybe you look at your past, and you're uncertain about how, how you can move forward from your past because it seems to keep catching up to you or it plagues you. So all of these things, 
or uncertainties that, that, that happens. And what happens when we face these uncertainties is this. We come up at crossroads that has signs like this. Have you ever seen this? And you probably haven't because it's like a made-up uh, made image. But that's what life feels like. Now, if you're driving, you're not going to have much confidence if you come up to like directions like that. But this really appears in our head. When we're making decisions and we're deciding what we should do, oftentimes we see things like disoriented, bewildered, perplexed, and we're not sure what to do. And then we go to make a decision, and it looks like this. Now, that's fun if you're at a theme park, but not fun if that's your life. If you're making decisions, that's not fun because you don't know what to do. You don't know how to do it. You don't know which road you're going to be on. And sometimes that could just be called Monday, right? And maybe in the morning, like, things become more certain, and then in the afternoon, they're uncertain again. And life just hits us like this. So what John is describing isn't that when you become a Christian, all of a sudden, your paths become straight and there's never twists and turns. What he's saying is that there are things that you can focus on that are certain that helps you filter all the things that are not. And that's the key in this life, is knowing what is certain, what we can actually bank on. If you think of it like a foundation, what we can actually build on. And it the signs look like this with God's help. As we're bewildered, we get assistance. But it's more than just info. We can get truth. And the truth is found in God's word. And more specifically, it's found in God himself. He leads us forward. He guides us. And so John is saying in the middle of all the unknown and all the uncertainties that you face, you don't have to you know, snap your fingers and they disappear. You deal with them, though, in confidence that you can know God. And he will guide you forward. And so what I want to do is I want to dig into the scriptures specifically and break down the last chapter of some certainties that we can bank on. And really there's an umbrella that, that John describes, and it's this. In a life full of uncertainty, God has made things known. So in a life full of uncertainty, not everything is uncertain. Doesn't that give you some confidence? It does me. Life is full of uncertainties, but there are some things that we can know. And if you're a Christ follower, we have to hold on to these things. We can't let go of them. We have to hold on to them with a tight grip because the uncertainties just tend to just like kind of plague us and they fall out of our, our focus. So John is saying, listen, you can know these things. And as I read 1 John, the, the phrase, you know, hope so, like somebody tells you something, well, I, I hope so. I hope that's true. I hope that will be the case. What John is saying is that as a Christ follower, you move from hope so to know so. You can know that this is true. You can know that it is certain. So let's dig in 1 John chapter 5. It says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. And I'm going to jump to verse 18. He says, we know that everyone who's been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who is born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. And in that passage of Scripture, John has wrapped up his letter, his epistle. And he's saying you can focus on these certainties. So what I want to do is I want to start with where he starts in verse 13 and talk about this big focus of certainty that we can know. 
So in a life full of uncertainty, we can know first that we have eternal life. Now, eternal life with God is for those who've decided to follow him, who've decided to surrender their life and live life his way. And back to 13, it says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know, again, you may know that you have eternal life. Now, this knowledge here is not hypothetical or maybe. It's knowledge that you can have here and now that is true. It's certain. And it's not meant for the future. The knowledge of eternal life is actually supposed to impact us today. Years ago, I read a book called Forever. It's written by Paul Tripp. And he describes how most people who are Christ followers who decide to follow him have what he calls eternity amnesia. And the idea is you may know that you will, when this life wraps up, that you're going to be with God forever and eternity. And you may have an understanding that maybe this life is not all you have. And there's this idea of heaven, and, but it's, it's kind of vague. And it's out there and it's at the end. Um, so, so John is just saying that this, this focus of eternity impacts us uh, here and now. And in his book, this eternity amnesia, he just says it's, for most people, it's so far off. It's a distant concept. It's something that we don't really maybe think about until our life wraps up. But the way John is writing, he's saying is you will know that here and now. And we don't know eternity in its fullness because we're still on this earth and it's broken and, and we're broken. But you can live with eternity in full view. Like that's where you're, you're headed. And he describes this eternity amnesia, and it's, it's very helpful for me. He says, if you think this life is all that there is, and this is it, it's just this one life, it's here and then it's gone. Most of the time, if you think that's all that there is, then three things happen. First, you tend to be more self-oriented in your focus. If this life is all there is, then you're going to do whatever you can to make sure you make yourself happy. You get everything you can out of this life. And so you orbit around yourself. You orbit around what's best for you. The second thing he says is that if this life is all you have, then your need to control goes up. Because if this relationship is all you have, and this is all you can get out of this life, then you're going to tend to control those people to get what you want. Again, because you're self-oriented focus. So that need for control comes as we forget eternity. And then he says the third is that you, you end up placing unrealistic expectations. So self-oriented focus the need to control, and then unrealistic expectations. Do any of you struggle with those three? I know I do. And oftentimes it's because I'm so focused on the here and now, things that are so temporary, that I forget what God is doing in the big picture. The songs that we sing on a Sunday are truth about what God's doing. And eternity that we can bank on. And so sometimes what we have to be reminded of is our view in this life can be so short-term. And then we respond to people in that, that short view. But in forever, as God is working things out, and as everything will be made right, and justice will prevail, and we'll experience righteousness, and we'll experience God in the full, and there'll be no sin, and there'll be no pain, you realize that, that this life doesn't have to offer me everything I've ever longed for. Because I'm going to the place where everything I've longed for, I'll get to experience. And I'll be with God forever. And so John wants us to just really raise our sights. In the middle of uncertainty, you can know that you can have eternal life. And in the end, when this life wraps up or when Jesus returns, everything will be right. We can hope in that. That can impact the ways that we react to hard things and to different situations. 
uh, in the Gospel of John, in John's words, he really describes salvation, how we can know that. And this is what it says in John 20. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Again, this life is the here and now life, the born-again Christian life. Your sin is no longer held against you. You have a fresh start, and that fresh start is in Christ. And so in the Gospel of John, John's wanting us to understand salvation. We can know that we are saved. We are forgiven. In 1 John, he wants us to know assurance, things that you can be guaranteed are true, and it begins with eternal life. Now, you guys remember Men's Warehouse back in the day? Like the, That guy was like one of my favorite salesmen because he would talk about his suits and how great they are, and he says, these will be the best suit you'll ever experience in your life. I guarantee it. And as a young you know, man myself, I thought, if I'm ever going to buy a suit, I want to buy it from that guy. Why? Because he guarantees that suit is going to be the best thing that ever happens to me. And then years that went on with this commercial, they had that same slogan because that was like their whole company was built around, I guarantee it. And he began to give qualifications. Well, I guarantee it. But there might be situations in which maybe the material, and, and he just starts talking, I'm like, wait a second, wait a second, what? What happened to that guarantee? And I began to think, well, I wasn't as assured of that company as I was before. Now, I don't want like their sales to plummet, so I can't vouch for sure, but you could still shop at the men's warehouse. But I think over time, they've changed their whole slogan. Why? Because there aren't really any guarantees in this life. When I was younger, there were two guarantees that I kept hearing adults always talk about. There's two things we can always be certain of. One starts with D and the other with T. What are they? Death and, you know, if you're a young person, you hear adults talk about that. There's not a lot of hope for your life, right? Two things you can always know. You will die, but before you do, you're going to have to pay the man. Oh, great. Like that, I'm just going to get me up in the morning. It's terrible, but there's some truth to it. We do all die, and we all do have to pay taxes. But John is saying there's so much more that can be guaranteed that can actually give meaning to your life, and it begins with eternity. He emphasizes this again in verse 20, and he says, in his son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. So when we talk about becoming Christian and inviting Jesus to lead you, there's this beautiful picture of what's described. It's not only this life that John described in John, the gospel of John, but this eternal life. We get a piece of eternity here and now because God leads us forward. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he left his disciples and said, listen, you're not going to be alone. Why? Because you're going to get the Holy Spirit, God himself, leading you forward. And God has always been eternal, and so we have him leading us. We have this eternity that can lead us forward. It can give us hope. It can give us perspective when things are hard. It can give us the right vantage point of what's going on. In my life, I can get caught in so many weeds of uncertainties. And John says, raise your eyes, see. There's forever going on. Join God in what he's doing. So we can know for certain that if we decide to follow Christ and live and surrender to him, maybe not everything will work out in this life as it should, but we know in the end, God will do right. He will be faithful. He will be just. And he will do what is righteous. There's no question. And we can know eternal life and be with him forever. So he starts at that big vantage point, that 30,000 feet. But then John doesn't leave us there. He also 
wanting us to understand that, that God is this personal God. And he gets to the next assurance, the next certainty, and it's this. Not only that we can have eternal life, but that God hears our prayers. So think about big picture and now specific, the things that are going on with you, the things that you're concerned about or anxious about. Check it out in verse 14. It says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him. Anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Now read those words. Look at that, the highlighted section there. First, we can have confidence. When I'm uncertain, the last thing I have is confidence. So why can we have confidence? Because we have a God who hears us. And he knows us, and he wants to lead us forward in a personal way. I was thinking about all the times I've talked to people in my life, like on a cell phone. You ever had a conversation with somebody, and maybe you're pouring out your heart. And you just got to, like, get some input. And you got to walk somebody through the scenario. And this is what happened. And this person did this, and I wasn't sure what to do. And I said that, and that just kind of felt wrong, and it landed wrong. And then I was just worried, and then I was up all night. And you're just talking and talking. And, and the person on the other line is just, like, deep in thought. You know, they're not saying anything. And you're just thinking, wow, they're, they're really listening, and you appreciate that. And then you ask them, like, well, what do you think I should do? And they don't say anything. And you're like, wow, they're, like, really thinking this through. And then about 10 seconds later, you just do that cell phone pullback. You see the screen is blank, and you've not been on the phone call with that person. You ever done that? It's like the worst feeling in the world. At one moment, you thought this is the greatest listener ever, only to find that you were just talking to yourself. You ever had that? You know what I'm talking about. It's like the worst feeling. And then you call them back like, hey, <laughs> what was the last thing you heard me say? And they're like, oh, that was like six minutes ago. And it's a terrible feeling because you don't feel understood. And now you have to walk people through the very situation that you just explained. What John is saying is we have a confidence that God never drops the call. He always hears us. He always hears us. And not only that, but he doesn't brush it off. If we ask anything according to his will, that's the condition. He, he hears us, and we know that he hears us, and we know that we have the request that we have asked of him, meaning he doesn't brush them aside. There's not a disconnect. It doesn't get lost in translation. In fact, God knows us better than we know ourselves, better than anyone else. And so when we pray, his understanding of the matter is even greater than ours because he actually sees everything. So John says, know that he hears you. Here's a promise in John 15 and again in John's gospel. John 15, 7 says this. If you abide in me, again, the condition, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This abiding, this relationship, I seek your will. I ask you for help. I draw you into what's going on in my life. We know each other. And in the name of Christ, according to your will, in your will and in your authority, in Jesus' name, there's God that's working in behind the scenes of our life. He's helping us. He hears us. He understands. If you know God hears us, we know that he will answer us. And the confidence we have is not just that it will be the answer that we want, because sometimes it won't be. And sometimes it won't be on the timing that we want, because sometimes it won't be. But we do know that he hears, and he will answer. And he will answer according to his will, which is greater than ours. 
think about that. The almighty God who's existed forever and will exist forever listens to you and me. To go from eternity in that view to then day by day, God hearing me. We can know that for certain. What a confidence we have. John continues on a third assurance, a third certainty, and it's this, victory over sin. Verse 18, we know that everyone who's been born of God does not keep on sinning. You ever read verses like that and you think like, "Uh uh-oh. You look in the mirror, breaking news, sinner. I, I don't suppose you do that. That's not a great way to wake up either, but it's true. So is John saying, like, if you really are a Christian, you'll never sin and you'll be perfect? Well, we know if you caught the rest of the sermon series that he actually says, if anyone claims he is without sin, he is a liar. So what could possibly John mean? Because if we say we don't sin, then we're a liar, and then we have sinned, and so all of us have sinned, even if we don't think we have. What he's talking about here is this constant unbroken pattern of sin, where we're in the mud of these patterns of darkness. We're in the mud of just these decisions, and we just feel like we can't change, and we're caught in guilt, and we're caught in shame, and we keep trying to better ourselves, and we keep trying to pick ourselves up and improve and clean ourselves up, and we just the more we try to clean up the mud, the more mud we have. He's saying, listen, if you're a follower of Christ, your goodness and your ability to become clean and the victory that you have over sin is never, ever dependent on you. And the reason that you can have victory, and he's talking not about perfection, he's talking about direction. The way that you change your direction is because you have a new guide that leads you out of the mud of sin. And you can pick yourself up from the guilt and the shame because you realize that it's never dependent on you. Oftentimes, the more guilty and shameful we are, the more we're focused on our own effort. The more disappointed we are, we really think highly of ourselves. So sometimes guilt and shame is connected to our own pride. And that's where the enemy gets us, just to keep in that mud. At the Men's Summit last weekend, one of the pastors shared just a truth that we can have as we know God. If we've been saved and forgiven by him. And he said this, if you follow Jesus, you don't have to spend your days tied up in a knot of guilt and shame. You experienced that knot before? Things that you've done? Things that you can't believe you've thought or you've done and you've done again and you've done again. And that knot just ties us up and ties us down. And we get stuck. It's what John is describing here. If you have life, the life that comes from following Jesus, you have the very power that raised him from the dead, and you can have victory. Not perfection, but God will make you whole, and you can pick yourself up, and you can grow forward with his help, and you can change. If you ever feel like you can't change, if you're looking at yourself, it's because we can't. But if you look at Christ, we can change because of him. That's what John wants us to grasp. There can be victory, just like the song that we sing, because of what Christ has done. 
John is saying, listen, you got, you got to remember that. So the first assurance, we can know eternal life. Personally, we know God hears our prayers. Then we don't have to be stuck in guilt and shame. We can have victory. We can move on a new path of godliness. And then the last assurance we have is that God protects and provides us, provides for us. This is, again, the second part of verse 18. So we know that everyone who's been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. Speaking of the new life that we have in Christ. Protects here is an interesting word. It's really this continual no lapse of protection. I'm a big, like, history buff. I love watching war movies. And there's always the men who keep watch as the, the, the troop sleeps. And you know what always happens? The person who keeps watch, what do they do? They always fall asleep. I'm thinking, like, somebody get that guy some caffeine, right? It's like they always fall asleep. And because of our own experiences, when we tell people something we do and we fail, sometimes we just translate that into, well, God will do that too. But no, here, this protection, there's no lapse. There's no dozing. He's alert. And we are protected. This is speaking specifically, really, about this eternal life which he's describing. We are eternally secure. There's nothing you can do where you lose your salvation. It cannot be snatched from his hand. It's not... Again, dependent on ourselves. It's secure in Christ. We can't be plucked out of God's hand. And this idea that the, the evil one does not uh, touch him, it's like this, this fastening where you're, you're just stuck and it feels like you can't get out of the grip of, of the enemy. Well, through God and the power of Christ, we're released from the grip of the evil one. That's why you can have the victory, because he protects us. But not only this protection is for those who follow Christ, he, he provides. And then if you look at verse 20, what does he provide? Well, the Son of God has come and has given us what? Understanding, so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. So go back to the things that you're uncertain about in your life things that are weighing on you. Maybe you haven't even talked to anyone about them, but they're at like the recesses of your mind. You just know, it's like, I don't know exactly how that's going to work out. And it just kind of plagues you a little bit. It just kind of slows your mind and just your progress, just a tad. And then maybe it's increasing. What we need in those times is, is understanding. We need to know how to move forward. Again, because the, the paths are just crisscrossing and up and down and so confusing. What John is talking about here is truth. We need truth. But what's very interesting and unique about Christianity versus any other world religion or anything the culture has to offer or anything you can see in any form is we not only have the truth, but we have a person, and the person is Jesus. And the reason we can have understanding is because he guides us himself. He guides us through his word, the revealed word. The Bible is the revealed word of God. Without it being revealed, we would not know it. You can't intuit it. You can't make it up. You can't come to those conclusions. Unless it's revealed, we would not know it's true. And so God guides us through his word, and he guides us through his son, Christ, and he's given us the Holy Spirit 
that we can keep in step in to live the life that he wants us to live. So John is saying is you have protection. Your salvation is secure. You will know eternal life. And not only that, he will provide you understanding along the way. When you look at these certainties, what other guarantee would you need to live the life that God's called you to? He's taken care of forever. You'll be with him. He's given you his word so you can understand and grow in wisdom. He's given you victory so you can overcome the guilt and shame that plagues you. What else do you need? And that's John's point. I'm writing this so that you will know the foundation of Christ. There are no cracks. You can build your life on him. We can know him. So I want to encourage you, as we talk about these uncertainties, it's easy for those to become the focal point. But what God wants us to do is you begin to get to know him. And you may still be exploring what it means to follow Christ. I want to encourage you, don't back away from that investigation and from knowing him. Because as you step forward and you read God's word, he'll begin to speak to you more and more. And you have to make a decision. Do I believe in these assurances? Do I believe that I can know God, that I can have eternal life through Christ who's forgiven me? Do I know that I can experience that victory in him, not my own effort? You have to come to a point where you cross the line. You say, you know, I want to move from my own way, and I want to do things God's way. But that happens as you really investigate yourself and not hear somebody like me talk to you about it, but get into God's word. Let him speak to you. Your assurances actually grow it's tested through your life and begin to put things into practice. And so you want to just know things in your life and certainties, begin to do what God tells you to do. And as you take that step, you now have an assurance. God came through. He was with me. He helped me. And the next time you face another thing, he tells you to take a step and you do it. God came through. He was with me and he helped me. And as you keep doing this, this is how you grow. And now you have experience and no one can tell you otherwise. There's nothing else outside the will of God and his son that will make a difference because you know you can guarantee it. That's the kind of Christians that God wants us to be. In a life full of uncertainties, we can know God, his eternal life through his son. We can know victory over sin. We know that he hears our prayers. He helps us. And we know that he gives us understanding and wisdom. Oftentimes, the very thing we're looking for, we already have. And it's in Christ. As I wrap up, I just want to invite the band to come up as we get ready to receive our offering and sing another song. And I want to just give you some next steps so you can think through. Uh, the first is this. Ask God for help as you deal with uncertainty. This really is the beginning of realizing we have to get outside of our own head and resources. How many of you consider yourself like internal processors? You spend a lot of time thinking about problems, and you think about problems that aren't even problems yet, just so you're prepared for the problems that aren't problems, right? One of the things that you need to do, and I need to do, is focus on the uncertainty. And at the moment we realize we're uncertain about it, we need to pray and ask God, God, will you help me with this uncertainty? My finances, I'm a little stressed out about. I don't know how it's going to work out. God, I'm uncertain about my job. I don't feel secure in it. Will you help me? 
God, I don't know about this relationship. It seems strained. I feel stressed out and anxious about it. Will you help me? God, I don't know about my kids. I don't know what to do. They're facing some hard things. I don't know how to help them. Will you help me? And everything that you're uncertain about, the first step is ask God for help. It's very hard for God to guide you if you don't ask him. That's the key. So that's the first next step. The second one, pick a certainty from 1 John 5 and reflect. Those that we've talked about, whether it's, God, help me to not have eternity amnesia, but to focus on forever in the middle of what I'm facing. Maybe it's, God, help me to know that I don't have to be tied up in the knot of guilt and shame and focus on that portion of the Scripture. Use that listening guide for you this week to focus on those certainties. And then, last but not least, extend an Easter invitation in the next five days. The reason I say five days is sometimes my greatest opportunities to think of invitations are Saturday night, the day before, or the morning of, hey, like, what you doing? Get your shirt out, iron it. Church is in an hour, right? But if you think about it in the next five days, you can be a little bit intentional and think ahead. Here, here's the perspective, and we, we watched that video of the Easter invitation, but think about if you're a Christ follower and you decide to follow Jesus, you still have anxiety and you have uncertainties. And again, it's like, okay, well, how do I focus on these certainties in light of the uncertainties I have? Well, think about if you don't know Christ, if you don't have a guide, if you don't know the truth, how uncertain would you be? How confused, perplexed, bewildered? These are the people that we live next to. These are the people that we work with. These are the family members that we've been spending Christmases with our whole life. The reason we extend invitations is because we want people who don't know to know that Jesus loves them and he's done everything possible for us to have a relationship with him. So there's an urgency we have to pray for the people in our life that they'll consider coming to Ridgeview or maybe it's another church. But let's pray together that the people in our life will have the courage to invite and that through God's mighty hand, they will come. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word, which again, guides and leads us forward, which shows us the truth in the middle of the lies, which gives us understanding in the middle of the confusion. And God, we, we just thank you that we're not left alone to figure things out ourselves. We're not left to our own just wisdom, but that you do give us understanding. So I just pray for anyone here that's really struggling with uncertainty in their life in the name of Jesus, God. Will the reality of your son become real right now? Will eternity in view give them hope and comfort? God, I pray for anyone who's stuck in sin and just feels in the darkness of guilt and shame. God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you'll give them the victory where they can look and know that their sin is forgiven, and it's washed away. God, we thank you for this church, for this opportunity that we have to gather in your name. God, I pray that we'll not take it for granted. And God, for all those that will come to our Easter services, for all those invitations that will be extended, God, by the power of your son Jesus, I pray that you'll draw some to come to know you, that they'll decide to give their whole life to you. And God, we'll see people come into the Christian family. And Lord, we know that our own efforts 
are, are really just left to our own strength, but it's your efforts that prevail. And so, God, we hold on to you and your power. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.